She's joining us here to take a look at some of the price activity and discuss the Fed's recent move. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show. I'd imagine this doesn't come as too much of a surprise. You wrote in your notes about how you think the Fed, well, to alter its policy, it would probably take some shift in inflation expectations one way or the other. Yeah, I, certainly at this meeting, no one was expecting any big moves from the Fed. Um, and I think that it will take, if we're looking at when is the Fed going to make its next move on interest rates, you know, it's probably several years down the road. And they'd really need a different picture of where inflation is going, see higher inflation expectations, higher realized inflation, stronger growth, lower unemployment. Uh, there's a lot of conditions that would need to be met, and we're nowhere close to meeting them. Kathy, uh, you know, I'm wondering, is the Fed's goal to keep real rates negative at this point? I think they're perfectly comfortable with keeping them negative. So one of the things, and you were just talking about the dollar, you know, one of the things that happened when the Fed cut rates so sharply in March was that it pushed down real interest rates. So we had had the highest nominal and real yields in, in the, among the major countries. And then we caught up in, in real terms with the rest of Europe and the others that have negative real rates. And that contributed a lot to the dollar's decline uh, from the March highs. And I think that the Fed is fine with that. You know, if you make real interest rates low, what you do is try to force money into the economy. So, you know, consider if you're running a business and you have a, the idea for an investment and you normally would look at what's your hurdle rate for uh, realizing a profit on that investment. Well, if your hurdle rate is zero or negative, it's going to make that investment more attractive and more easy to make. And I think that's the whole point. Just keep pressuring those yields to as low as you can make them so that that pushes more money into the economy. Yeah, very supportive to say the least here. Let's talk about these rates, interest rates, how they are, well, low across the board, but the yield curve is positively sloped. That's usually a sign that the market expects more growth and inflation on the horizon. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing there in terms of the uh, uh, steepening of the yield curve? Yeah, it's, it has steepened recently up until you know, just a few days ago when long rates started to come back down again. So as we went into the election, there was a lot of uh, expectation that we would see a bigger stimulus uh, package or fiscal relief package uh, on the idea that perhaps there'd be this blue wave. And then as the returns started to come in and it looked less likely that the Democrats would take the Senate, we're seeing a diminished expectation for that fiscal relief bill that we may get uh, sometime in January, the first quarter of next year. So that's brought down uh, expectations for growth and inflation. So the yield curve is still positively sloped. There's still you know, a positive expectation going forward, but it's less positive than it was prior to a couple of days ago. You know, I'm wondering, Kathy, it seems like obviously the Fed has a lot of focus here on uh, inflation and trying to bring about some. We've been looking for that for years, it seems like. But the Fed can't create or manufacture demand. I guess I'm wondering if their policy right now, is it more to create a conducive environment for it ultimately and provide kind of a softer landing spot for, you know, some of the situation that we're dealing with here right now and the impact that it's having on the economy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they can only do so much. That's why Paul, Fed Chair Paul is always saying, you know, we can lend, but we can't spend. And why he's been calling on Congress and the administration for some time to kick in with more um, fiscal help. 
because they can they can make money really cheap. They can do everything they have in their power to push it out there, and they've done that. They've opened up these facilities to um, enable whoever wants to borrow, small businesses, large businesses, uh, municipalities, uh, able to get their hands on capital at a reasonable rate, but they can't create demand. So if we don't get the virus under control, people don't feel comfortable congregating, you know, it's gonna be really difficult to get restaurants and bars and airlines and hotels and cruise lines back on their feet. So all the cheap money in the world won't stimulate demand until we get the virus under control. So I think what they're trying to do is everything they can from the monetary policy side, uh, as much as they can do is what the Fed's doing, but they can't solve all the problems. Yeah, it seems like until we get the virus under control, those businesses, the restaurants and so on that you mentioned are gonna have a difficult time getting the confidence they need in order to hire and continue to sort of fuel the fire. Uh, so to say, let's talk a little bit about the Fed's balance sheet because you know we have been watching it shrink a bit while Europe's was still uh, increasing and widening. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the latest as far as the Fed's balance sheet? Because it has started to inch up a bit here as well, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's just a little bit north of $7 trillion right now. So it had the big increase uh, from March and April when they came in guns blazing uh, with monetary policy. And now it's started to level off a bit. Uh, much of it has been in mortgage-backed securities. So much sure. of the increase has been in mortgage-backed securities. And I think that uh, their intention from what they've said is just to keep it the purchases kind of steady for the time being until they see something change. Uh, probably tapering is still a, a ways off. They probably would rather grow into the balance sheet than start to bring it down unless it's creating some issues. So I would expect that they just continue as is for the time being until they see perhaps the economy getting that much better that they don't need to do much more. Um, the next move may be a taper, but it could be a year or two down the road before that begins. You know, uh, Kathy, one could argue with 13 different lending programs out there right now. Uh, drastic times call for drastic measures. I think that's a pretty clear situation that we're dealing with. The Fed has stepped up to the plate. Uh, what grade would you give them in terms of, well, they've certainly helped reassure investors. They've provided liquidity, again, amidst unprecedented, I call it neon swan type conditions. I mean, the Fed has really uh, uh, come through for us. Yeah, they really have. And again, I think we have to, the criticism is often that the Fed is able to inflate asset prices, but it really can't do much uh, about inflation in the real economy. I think there's some truth to that. But given the choices, you know, do they come to the rescue with the power that they have and the tools that they have, or do they not? And uh, they did. And I think they um, pretty quickly came in with a well thought out program. Uh, to accomplish those goals. They've stuck to it. They've been pretty steady with it. So, and fairly creative. I mean, some of these things had not really been imagined before they introduced them. A lot of things that have gone under the radar, such as, um, you know, opening up repo lines with foreign central banks and increasing the swap lines with other foreign central banks and lowering reserve requirements. I mean, they really came in with the bazooka at the beginning. And I think to a large extent, we can credit uh, the fact that the economy has come back pretty well to the actions of the Fed.